Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Hello, welcome to the Money Man episode of the 26th of May 2022. I'm Steve May and I'm here with Luke Styles. G'day Luke. How are you Steve? I'm good. I'm you, good. You sound, a little, you sound a little bit under the weather. Uh, I've had a man flu ah, yeah, for right. the last couple yeah. of weeks. So, I had it as no, well but I only had it for a few days. <laughs> you did, yeah. You're younger and, um, and more... Um, what's the Agile? Word? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, whatever you want it to be. Yep. Um, so now going along okay... Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening again. Uh, general advice warning, which yep. you saw at you the front heard of the episode, but, um, you know, this is general advice, not uh, meant yeah. to be personalised. Um, leave a review and uh, tell as many people as you can about us to join the movement. Yeah. Ask us a question as well if yep. there's a topic you want us to talk about. Yeah. Um, you can do that through the website, uh, moneymen.com.au. Preferably financially orientated topic. <laughs> yes, yes. Preferably. <laughs> but, hey... We can um, we can branch out. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. All right, what have the markets been doing over the past fortnight? Uh, the Australian market, um, all odds, is up 2%. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some volatility yeah, there, of course. Which probably but, comes uh, as a surprise yeah, to most. Yeah. Um, Dow Jones, flat. I think it was down a quarter of a percent or something um, yep. for the two-week period. Um, S&P 500 in the US is down 1.5%. percent mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, we've been hearing all the news pretty much every day that things are volatile. Yeah. yeah. It's always the case. And and the other thing is as well, um, you know, just so people are aware out there, there's a lot of talk around, you know, markets correcting at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, if we look at it and zoom out a little bit from the highs that the US market achieved in January 2022, the market on a price basis alone is, this is the S&P 500, it's down about 15%. Mm-hmm. So, so that, you know, that's a decent... Um, correction, correction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Aussie market from its highs uh, in August 2021, it's only down about six percent. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you know, look, there's there's been plenty of happening. There's plenty of panic going on around us at the moment. But let's just have a bit of a zoom out. Um, where were we in early 2020? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of panic. Yep. Where are we now? Um, you know, substantially better off. Yeah, substantially yeah. better off. So just, you know, a lot can change very, very quickly. Hmm. As we know, um, if you start to try to guess what markets are going to do, mm-hmm. you can be caught out badly. Yeah, you're going to get stung. Yeah. Um, property, domestic, um, you know, residential property, anecdotally, is still reasonably strong, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I think price expectations are probably a little bit higher than than they might other be from, otherwise be from yeah. the vendor. Thinking about yep. prices from the last twelve months, um, generally you know probably a bit of a softening, but I'm still seeing you know good prices being achieved. Yeah. Um, Talking to people out there, there seems to be less people going through houses, mm. um, you know, and all that type of stuff is probably going to translate into a little less competition. But yeah. is it really going to translate into significant drops? Uh, probably not. Mm. Well, interest rates are still low. Inter- uh, interest, yeah. interest rates are the third lowest they've been. They've ever been. And they're lower than when the ANZ Bank decided uh, at the start of COVID that they said that property prices over the next 12 months would drop by 20%. Mm. Yep. Um, almost the absolute 
Opposite. inverse hmm. <laughs> happened. So let's just, you know, take stock of what's going on around us. Um, pro- yeah, probably yeah. don't buy in too much. Yeah. Pro- property will find its fair price. You know, yeah. the fair price is what someone's willing to pay That's for. exactly right. You know, so, um, and I thought I'd just add in Bitcoin here. Never, why, never why, why, Steve? Oh, because I just like to see when it when it goes down. Um, yeah, which is a little bit facetious, but no, it's not. You know, the last last couple of weeks, you know, Bitcoin's down about five percent. It's actually down nearly fifty percent on its November twenty one high, mm-hmm. um, so, which is interesting. So that that you know, we're talking about share markets that are down fifteen and six percent from mm-hmm. their from their highs, and we've got another asset. Uh, I'm not even sure we can call it an asset class. We've got another class of stuff out there. Um, that is down close to 50, what did you say, 49%? 48, 48%. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's just interesting to, to see to see this one play out. Let's yeah. watch it play out. Yeah. Well, if you're going to be investing in crypto, you need to have your eyes wide open and you need to understand what you're investing in, which is a problem for most people because yeah. um, we don't know really what it is that you're investing in. And, yeah. and uh, under, understand that there's going to be huge volatility. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, you're basically relying on someone coming by and buying it off you for more than what you bought it for, which, mm. you know, is virtually speculation. That, yeah. That's that's, that's my opinion. opinion yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's my opinion. Mm. So, yeah, look at it this way. If you were a person who put 50 grand into Bitcoin, you know, six months ago or, or eight months ago because you wanted to get a gain and use that money for something else, mm-hmm. Well, you've only got half that left yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So you're going to have to hold on for longer to try and get your money back yeah. or get out and take a loss. Yeah, and there's plenty of people who have made money, so we've, heard, so we've all heard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. Yep. We had an election. Yeah, we did. We did. That was uh, on the weekend, and yep. uh, we have a new government. We do. So Labor is in power, and it looks as though they'll get the 76 yeah, seats majority. at the moment. Um Interestingly, um, uh, two-thirds of um, people didn't vote for um, the LNP. Party. Yeah, yeah. And about the same percent didn't, invite, didn't for, vote for the Labor Party. Yeah. So there's a massive, obviously, swing towards the, you know, the yeah. non-majors, yeah. which resulted in Labor getting in. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, isn't it, the yeah. way the preference system works yeah. in, in Australia. It is. There, there'd be plenty of people who would be... Spewing that Labor got in, mm. um, but their vote, you know, probably counted towards it. Yeah, uh, or they, or yeah. they didn't realise that's mm. where their preference vote landed. Yeah. And, and, and it's a pretty hard, you know, we, you know, it highlights the need of transparency. And we talk about transparency investing. We talk about transparency probably in the political sphere. More importantly than ever, um, transparency was probably the the thing that you know lost, you know, was the was the sort of. Uh, straw that broke the camel's back for the, for the outgoing government mm. because they were kind of accused of not being yep. that transparent. But you've had all these primaries come, mm. uh, you know, they didn't get the primary vote necessarily, but all these other sort of, um, you know, preference votes went in. And because they didn't, act, you know, a lot of the people giving the preference didn't act clearly explain who they were going to preference mm. and it's landed, landed, you know, where people weren't even voting their primaries. Yeah. Now, that's, the, that's to, the... To be fair... Um, you know, at, at every election that, that occurs. So, you know, when the exactly LNP right. has yeah, yeah. been, you know, gained power and has retained power over the, the past, you know, what, nine years, um, the same things happen. Like exactly they, right. they, they don't receive 
the majority of primary votes. No, um, and, 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 and the people don't necessarily re- yeah. re- people may not realise the preferences went to Liberal National Party mm. previously. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, sometimes a change is as good as a holiday. They they yeah. say. I think I think the sense was, you know, my take on it is that. Um, We've been through a very hard couple of years. Um, I personally think the the government, you know, the LNP, got us through it all right. Mm-hmm. But it's, we're very tiring, and everyone was weary and ready for change. Yeah, and uh, that's what's happened. And um, fingers fingers crossed, and good luck to the to the Labor government um, to take us through the next few years. And um, see how we go. Right, we don't talk politics here, so we'll no, we don't. On. But there's been lots of wonderful superannuation legislation that was passed. Um, you know, uh, around contributions, around contributions mm. that'll come into legislation from the first mm. July this financial year. Yeah, that's uh, that. It's not changing, and you know, it actually got a wide. Um, you know, it was widely supported by the opposition party mm-hmm. as well. So, yep. so, so that is yeah, absolutely legislated, and will come in on the first of yeah, July. Which so, is pretty cool. Yeah, so older Australians can can get more money in the yep. super now, etc. Yep. Right, what we're going to talk about today is um, are three things. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to just talk about um, you know picking the market. Mm-hmm. So we alluded to that a little bit earlier. Is you know, can you? Um, should you? You know, look to pick what share markets are going to do, or any market for that for that matter. I think I know um, the answer already. Mm-hmm. Then we'll <laughs> well, you can tell us in a sec. Uh, then we'll talk about uh, personal risk insurance. So personal risk insurance is life insurance and income protection yep. and TPD and trauma insurance, mm-hmm. and um, can seem to be a boring topic. It's a you know, insurance is a product that people. Um, don't tend to like no. um, or, or want to spend money on. No. But it's an important um, piece to consider in anyone's financial world. And then I thought, let's just have a chat about some of the things a person can do to become a millionaire mm-hmm. or become wealthy. Um, and I, I put in my note here that, you know, the key things a 30-year-old do, can do to become a millionaire, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a 30-year-old. It can All be right. a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old. Or a fifty-year-old. Well, I'm turning thirty in July, Steve. So mm-hmm. I, sh- I should take note of your your yeah, advice. Here. Well, I'm pretty sure you're taking note of um, a fair bit of <laughs> fair bit of these points. Right, oh, picking you'd hope, the market. You'd hope so. Hmm. Picking the market. All right. So what what generally happens when people are invested is that when markets, share markets, and, and you know, usually that extends their superannuation fund balance. Yep. Um, that goes down, right? And then people start to use language like, "Should we invest in something else? Mm-hmm. Should we get out? Mm-hmm. Um, switch? Should we Move. switch? Yeah. So should we switch from the high growth option to the cash option? Yep. Because this is too risky. Yeah. So Take our bet, stem the loss. Yeah. Let's wait until things get better, and then we'll invest again. We hear that, that a lot, don't we? At the surface, it sounds logical, doesn't it? Like, like you well, could you could yeah. argue at the surface it does sound logical. Yeah, you could argue that, um, but is it logical? No. All right. So I, I thought we'd just discuss that because it is is something that, you know, that when there's a lot of volatility and, and markets are down, that mm-hmm. people do become very nervous and start to use that sort of language, yeah. which could potentially result in a bad outcome mm-hmm. for them. So, okay. If I was to ask you, and you'll know the answer, because you've got a sheet of paper. I may in front not of you. know the answer. Oh, so, okay. 
If I was to ask you if over the last 116 years of the Australian share market, mm-hmm. how many of those years have resulted in negative returns? What would you think? How many of those at 116 years? I'd have a guess and say about 20. Yeah, it's 22. Okay. You're playing games with me there because I think it says on your sheet there, doesn't it? Well, I've got, yeah. I've, I've actually got a different chart oh, to you, Steve, yeah, and, I've got, and I've got 122 years. Ah, oh, you've, out, you've outdone me. Um, but, yeah, about 19, 20%. And you know what this one says? Over 122 years, it's 23 negative. Okay. Well, let's use yours then. Yeah. So over that period of time, 23 negative years, which is, what, 19%. Yep. So one in five years results in a negative return. Yep. And has resulted in a negative return. And it's a little bit eerie how much the 80-20 rule applies to this because... Mm. You're looking at a sheet from 2016, which is the exact same sheet, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at one from, you know, pu- published this year in uh, 2022, and the negative years as a percentage of total returns is 19%, mm-hmm. and the negative years of total returns over 116 years for yours is 19%. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it's a little bit, you know, and 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 I often I often say that. You know, within any 10-year period of time, you can generally track history and say there's going to be a couple of years of negative returns and then eight years of positive returns. Mm-hmm. So the 80-20 rule really does apply, and you can stretch it out as long as you want over investment markets, and it generally is fairly um, true. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, yeah. I digress a little bit. So it is quite interesting um, to, to see that. So... It follows that it's reasonably likely that if you were to pull your money out in a bad year, mm-hmm. that you'll miss out on a good year, yep. the following one. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want to do, is it? No, you don't. Because, but to do that and to do that accurately and consistently, you would have to pick the market. You'd have to pick what was going to happen. So yep. if you could pick and know that the market's down now, and it's not going to go up next year. And you know it's at the bottom, and, and this, you know is, the ki- bottom, and this yeah. is the key. Then if you could pick that and knew that, then it would probably, you know, there's probably some sense around, you know, that language. Yeah. Um, but you can't. Yeah. You, you can't pick it. You can guess it. And there are lots of um, economists and and not even economists, influencers. What are they? Not influencers. <laughs> influencers. Influencers. <laughs> oh, I've got the flu on my brain. Um, <laughs> Who, who claim that they know what's going to happen? Yeah, right. and 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 it's just and it's just not the case. Mm. And and the reality is, you know, to your point, you could back test this and say, hey, well, I would have been better off getting out of the market at this point and back into the market, and I wouldn't have incurred the downside. Um, but arguably, the downside is is what actually you know bounces you back to some respects, especially while people are still contributing. Um, mm-hmm. So by accepting that volatility and actually accepting the corrections that come your way, especially if you're accumulating, hmm. you're actually multiplying your wealth further. So hmm. that, that just that just can never get forgotten. Hmm. Um, people are always really concerned about, you know, capping that downside and, and particularly people, you know, approaching retirement, oh, I need to be very careful about capping that downside. Well, a lot of them you'll find approaching retirement are still making contributions to their employer or or about to position themselves in the sale of a house or some other assets and make further contributions. So if if anything, their wealth position, you know, 
is actually going to be enhanced mm. by mm. by by some of that short term volatility. Mm. Um, you know, and, and you know, if the shoes on the other foot, and you say, well, I'm actually not putting any money into super, and I'm actually in that sort of drawdown phase or deaccumulation phase. Well, you know, the correct protections are typically in place to to protect that downside that's help, going to help, come in every two... Yeah, help you ride out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to help you ride it out. Mm. That's sort of going to come in that every sort of two years out of ten. And mm. if we know that that sort of is how it happens, then we know that you can put some protections in place. Now, you can't get this all right mm. and you can't become paralysed by analysis because mm. that's what, you know, a lot of people end up doing when they start talking about investing or starting and trying to invest. You have to have an approach. You have to have something that's sort of tried and true um, and you can rely, you, you know, you can reasonably rely on. Mm-hmm. Yep. The fear that people have is that they'll lose all their money. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're investing in, you know, uh, Australian share market or, or share market linked investment, mm-hmm. you know, that is diversified and, and and has strong underlying investment in companies, then to lose your money, every single company has to go broke. Has to go broke. Yep. Right. It's unlikely, isn't it? Um, yeah, the, other, the other thing that people often forget is, you know, we're seeing a period where there's a bit of a correction. But what about the previous three, five, ten years where there have been, you know, very healthy returns? That's exactly right. You know, it's just right. sort of bringing, bringing things back a little. And, and, if, and if we look at the ten-year periods, of, like, you know, mm-hmm. I know you're, you're probably going to have a look at the returns that have been achieved um, over 116 mm-hmm. years, and you, mm-hmm. can, you can tell people that. But if we look at a high-growth, you know, style investment, so yeah. whether that's your super fund or some personal shareholdings that are you know reasonably well diversified because that's that's quite key. Um, over the last ten years, up to April the thirtieth of April, you're looking at returns of around ten to ten ten and a half percent. Now that's per, per annum, mm-hmm. per, per annum. So that's compounded gr- annual growth, mm-hmm. um, which is very good. I, sh- I should highlight it's actually a very good uh, result from mm-hmm. anyone investing in growth assets. And that basically includes the 30th of April. So mm-hmm. that takes in a lot of correction. Yeah. Um, and I would argue is close enough to where the Aussie share market is at the moment and possibly close enough mm-hmm. to, you know, wh- where the, the US market is. So yeah. so it is fairly indicative of where we are at the moment, even with the current corrections, that if you're investing for the long term, you could have got around that sort of 10% over mm-hmm. the last 10 years. Yeah. Hey, you didn't have to do anything other than just yeah. stand there and be a participant in the market. And don't forget about that 10% return when you have a negative year. Sorry, yeah. I yeah. should mm-hmm. exactly say. So that that's 10% mm-hmm. is including these sort of little, you know, gyro, you know mm-hmm. jitters and gyrations going on at the moment. Yeah. So just, you know, it's so easy to focus on oh, these external pressures around inflation, interest rates, all that type of stuff, well, um, there's always going to be a new external pressure. Mm-hmm. Th- th- there will always be. And so you just need to remember, is is this time different? No, it's not. Um, good quality assets are going to achieve a good, re- you know, are, are going to do well over the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just stay the course. Stay the course, exactly. All right. All, all right. Done. Don't panic. Do I sound panic. a little bit panicked in my explanation there, but I just can't stress. I just can't stress enough that, you know, just just don't buy into the media hype um, because that's what it is. And and the person talking to you, doing the report on on the money on the news of the evening, yeah. is a journalist. They're, and they're um, reading it off an order queue. Yeah, they're reading uh, it off an order queue. They're a journalist. They're mm. not necessarily, you know, they're, they're, they're not. Mm. 
They ultimately don't know. Okay, let's move on All from right. the media. Um, okay, well, I thought we'd talk about there again. <laughs> insurance. So how, you know, how much personal risk insurance does someone need? All right, that's, you know... You know, how long's a piece of string is yeah. really the answer it's, to that. It's but, never a scientific um, um, answer. No. There can, can be scientific answers, but <laughs> um, no, no one knows what the future holds, and that's what insurance is all about. Yeah. Like, if you know, we're, t- we're going to be talking about life insurance products here mm-hmm. for, for a minute, mm-hmm. but you know, let's look at your house. You'll, you insure your house. Yep. Um, it's total loss. Yeah, yep. it's total loss. Um, you don't know the house is going to burn down or not, do you? Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Unlikely that it will, um, but you scientifically apply the method that if you no longer if you no longer have the house, you're going to need to replace it. Yep. Um, and away you go. You insure your house as you do the same with your car. Mm-hmm. You do the same with lots of other things. Pets. Yep. Insurance. You do. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, you yeah. do. You do that, and mm. and you know what. All these, all these, yeah. Oh, sorry, Steve. I'm probably yeah. stealing your thunder a bit. No, no. Um, this is just for general discussion. This this segment, because um, there is no real answer to the life insurance mm-hmm. piece. Um, but you know, let, let's look at it. Um, there are basically four different types of insurance, yep. like life insurance products that pay, play a different part. Um, one is life insurance, term life insurance. If you die, um, then someone will get the sum insured. Yep. All right. Total and permanent disability insurance. If you can no longer work again, ever, in an occupation that you're suited to, yep, that's the basics of it. Then you will get a some insurance piece of cover. Yeah. Yep. Um, trauma insurance. If you suffer a certain condition as defined in the policy, yep, things like heart attack, cancer, stroke, yep, brain tumor paraplegia, yeah. lots of horrible things. Yeah, yeah. But you have to suffer that condition as defined, then you will get a lump sum. Mm-hmm. And then there's income protection insurance, which potentially can replace 70 or 75% of your income for a certain period yep. if you're unable to work. Yeah, and generally up to the age of 65. Yeah. Not, not all of them are, but, um, yeah. yeah. So the conundrum then becomes, well, do I need any? Mm-hmm. And how much do I need? Yeah, and 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 that's probably the key question: Do I need any? Mm-hmm. Um, because humans naturally don't like to think about their own demise, mm-hmm. and so you know it 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 goes without saying. Like you don't want to think about the end, and if you're not wanting to think about the end, then you don't necessarily want to be thinking about things that can protect, you know, yeah. that 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 event occurring, and mm-hmm. and yeah. We're all we're all on a we're all on a time limit, um, but we're really talking about insurance for if the you know if worst is to happen uh, before you would otherwise expect a time limit to be up. But that, that, that's really what we're using yeah. it for because a lot of people will go, oh, I've paid all this premium, um, and, and I'm, again, I'm digressing a little bit, and and at sixty or sixty five, whenever they're self insured. Um, we, you know, you look to see so wind the cover back, and they go, "Well, I paid all this premium," and I think, "Well, you know, at least you didn't have to use it." But mm. you don't want to be holding coverage up until you're actually expected death. It's not That's logical. Exactly. That's right. It's the house argument, isn't it? Um, you insure your house, and you pay all those premiums, yeah. and you hope that your house doesn't burn down. Yeah. 
oh, that's, that's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, while, first of all, I'll ask our listeners, um, if, you know, if you're listening to this, do you actually know how much life insurance or any of these insurances mm-hmm. that you hold? Or do your kids or do your parents? Um, the answer in most cases would be no. Mm-hmm. Um, because in most cases, the insurance that people hold is just attached to their superannuation fund. Yeah. You, would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just some default cover that, yeah, you know. That, that was there when they started in the yeah. fund. And quite often, probably not adequate. Mm-hmm. And quite often, um, you know, members of super funds aren't even aware what they're paying for it and how much they have. Yeah. But, you know, let's have a look at life, life insurance. Generally speaking, if you've got debts or family or commitments, um, life insurance is there to protect them. Yeah, protect the remaining people in your family or your life. Yeah, really. Um, so if you're a member of a couple, couple of kids, you've got a home loan, then you know the starting point is usually enough in, enough life insurance to make sure the home loan isn't there if you pass away. Yeah. So the family isn't left with a debt. Then on top of that, you know potentially you could build in some more cover to make sure that the family is financially okay without you. Mm-hmm. Um, for a period of time. Yep. Okay, now that period of time could be a year, it could be yeah, 10 it's years, it's arbitrary, it could be the, isn't it? the kids yeah. are through uni, yeah. it could, could that, be whatever. That, that's exactly right. That um, period of time is arbitrary. Yeah. Um, but I would say that most Australians who have debt, housing debt, would not have a, a, enough cover in their superannuation insurance policy. Yeah, I'd say 99%. Debt, to clear yeah. their debt. Yeah, yeah, yep. I'd say 99%. Yeah. So there's you know, reasonably serious under-insurance risk there um, in Australia. So anyway, that's life insurance. We won't get into the nitty-gritty of how much a 40-year-old with three kids should have or whatever, but generally speaking, you start at debt and then you increase Yeah, yeah, you, from you would increase from there. And, hmm. and you know, the... the so that's the life insurance piece. And then, you know, again, as you self-insure your position over time, yeah. um, you build your assets, you pay your debt down, you yeah. can begin to look to scale this stuff oh, down. Yeah, yeah. So initially you might have X amount of insurance, but in 10 years' time you might only need half that yep. or a quarter of that or yep. none of that. Um, so the next type of insurance that is commonly um, attached to a super fund and commonly taken out is total and permanent disability insurance. Mm-hmm. And I, I call that financial death. Yep. Right? So you will never be able to work again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not quite as simple as that, but you'll, you'll never be able to work again in an occupation yeah, to which you're so, suited. So, so, so same you, concepts are true. Yeah, so the, it's, a, it's the same financial impact as if you died. Yeah, yeah. yeah or arguably it could be worse. It could be worse be, yeah. because you're still alive yeah. and, um, and there's an extra mouth to feed and, yeah. and care, etc. So, It sounds terrible. You know, I mean, we, 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 we make light humour of it, but, yeah, I mean, it is quite quite mm. shocking to think about. And, and just, to add, just to add in, We've seen the situations where people have had the appropriate levels of insurance or, or could have argued that they felt a little bit overinsured hmm. and events have occurred um, and they've been thank- very thankful. Um, hmm. And then we've definitely seen the other circumstances where people have been way underinsured 
and life events have occurred and you know there there is some you can see the concern in people's faces it can so be like financially devastating yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i just you know we we've seen that firsthand and we don't we don't want people to be financially devastated as well as emotionally devastated like we you know we we're always attempting to ensure that people have enough insurance we're not going overboard yeah yeah that's it. that's exactly because it right. costs money yeah you know? um, trauma insurance is another type mm-hmm. so that's the one where if you suffer the certain condition that you get the, the payout or the, the lump sum. Yep. Um, why would you have that, do you think? Most people don't. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't have that type of insurance, but it fills a bit of a gap. Yeah. Um, and an example I use is, um, yeah, just say a male, needn't be a male, any, any person um, has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. These days, if you survive a heart attack, you're probably going to live... Well, yep. you have lived because you survived it, but you're probably yeah, going yeah, yeah. to extended gonna, period yeah, of you're probably going to be in, in in due course be able to get back to work. Yeah, return to normal capacity and, and probably that. in a reasonably quick period of yep. time. Um, the money from the trauma policy, remember, you you wouldn't qualify for life insurance because you're not dead. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't qualify for your TPD insurance because you can work again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the money from the trauma policy would enable you to have some choices. Yep. You know, just because you can go back to work doesn't mean that you necessarily want to. Yep. Um, or you may want to get some treatment, or medical treatment or something. Yeah, some additional yeah. medical treatment that might be mm. over and beyond you know, the, the mm. initial intervention of whatever the illness or trauma event is, mm. and there might be some lump sum money to actually go, okay, well, you can go and do this or you can go and do that uh, mm-hmm. because you've got the, the, you've got the cash to afford it. Yeah. Now, again, it costs money. Um, again, these events are reasonably unlikely but also likely to occur um so you're more likely to have a heart attack than you are to die early yep um so the trauma insurance or critical illness insurance as it's otherwise known is more expensive yep you know, so you need to weigh all this up uh but generally speaking some level of trauma insurance would be ideal it's generally the type of cover that people um disregard first mm-hmm so, you know, life and TPD and income insurance are generally what people are most interested in. Yeah. That extra layer of cost for the trauma cover puts some people off, but, you know, it's there. And then income insurance, what do you think about income protection insurance? Do you think it's necessary for, for yeah, people? Or? Yeah, very, very necessary, and unfortunately the, the more expensive of the lot. Mm. Um, because you've got to think about it, it's potentially replacing future earnings capacity over a mo- over multiple years. Um, so although the insured benefit may be a little bit lower, so you typically have a monthly insured benefit reflective of a, as a proportion of your gross annual salary, um, you know, p- paid to you on a monthly basis if you can't work and meet the waiting period and the and you know mm-hmm. the waiting period conditions. Um, Yep, very important because if you can't work, you can't pay your insurance policy for your house in case your house burns down. Mm-hmm. So let's just think about the order of operations. We need to make sure that the income that keeps the house together is actually protected. Mm-hmm. More people lose their home through um, mortgage foreclosure mm-hmm. than through their home burning down. Right, yep. Which means that people haven't been able to keep up their mortgage yeah, yeah. payments. So so some that's t- generally due to illness yep. or injury or the inability to yep. work. Um, yep. So because we know the disability support pension mm-hmm. is probably not going to do a whole heap to um, disability support pension will feed you. Yeah, 
Um, but it's, it's not, not going to pay the mortgage. It's not going to pay the mortgage. No, and mm-hmm. it's definitely not going to pay the insurance policy on mm-hmm. the house. That's it. Or the cars. Yeah. Um, so, you know, income protection is really important. Um, unfortunately, it's, you know, reasonably costly. It depends mm-hmm. how you look at it mm-hmm. and what costly is to you, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's exactly right, because mm-hmm. what's the cost of not having it? Mm-hmm. The potential cost of not having it. And now, no one, like you said earlier, no one wants to think that they're mortal and that something can happen to them. Yep. Um, until something happens to them. Yeah. Well, we've all got a stopwatch. Mm-hmm. You do. <laughs> at some all, point in time, the, the, the stopwatch will stop. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but, yeah. So, um, so again, income protection insurance, insurance is there generally in that accumulation phase of, of developing wealth when you're working, obviously. Yeah. Um, and there'll come a point, perhaps, in your life where you don't need it anymore because your asset position is such yeah. that if something did happen, you could get by. And this is exactly right. So on the back of a good insurance plan, there should be another plan on there to self-insure, mm-hmm. um, which is to build your asset position up to a level where if you're not working or not around, your asset can support your income requirements mm-hmm. or needs. That, yep. th- that is that is the goal and objective. Mm. Insurance is that, you know, Fills fills that void while you're not self-insured or you're not yeah. in a position to be self-insured. So it's just yeah. really important to think about it like that. Um, yeah, it's a premium to pay, but it's almost something that you you know in a lot of families, it's almost something you can't you know you you can't afford not to have. Mm. Um, yep. there, there's got to be the consideration around other discretionary expenditures to say, well, you know. Yeah, the insurance premiums are going up every year. That's just the nature of the beast at the moment. Um, <coughs> people need to just sort of go. Well, where, where else can we cut down before we cut down on those spots? You know, mm-hmm. you know, there are little things you can do around the edges to to tighten the premiums up. But you know, the nature of the beast is they are expensive. Mm-hmm. All right. Before you go out and do anything about insurance, you know, make sure you, you know, read up, get advice. Um, you know, understand what it is that you're you know that you're looking at yep all right i'm fading a bit here so we're going to um get through the next section in about 10 minutes i'd say and we're going to talk about you know what what can you do to become a millionaire yeah well, i'm so, going to listen because you've mm. said key things a 30 year old can do to become mm. a millionaire mm. but it could be a 40 year old could okay. be a 32 right. year old could be a 41 year old could be a 51 year old um but, you know, the, the reasonably simple things that when people are starting their journey, they, they often say to me, oh, how am I ever going to get ahead? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, well, I'm never going to be a millionaire. I'll just be one of those people who has to work until they're 67 and mm-hmm. get the age pension. But I think realistically, if you've got time on your hands, there are some simple things that, that people can do that will ensure they end up reasonably yeah. wealthy. Yeah, 100, 100% agree. Yeah. But the, the thing that comes first is paying some attention to your money, mm-hmm. right? to your cash flow, mm-hmm. what's coming in and out of your household, in and out of your bank account. Yep. Um, paying some attention to that, being um, committed to ensuring that you've got a surplus. Mm-hmm. And that you put that surplus somewhere away. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know you you've put it on here. You've got a budget, and then you've put a note in here. Save before you spend. Now, if you don't have a surplus, maybe you need to start saving before you spend. Hmm. 
but to actually force yourself, force your hand to create a surplus. Because we talk about this all the time. People get in the habit of going, I'm going to spend my paycheck first, spend my income first, and then save what's left over. Now, if you force your hand to save first, spend what's left over, your savings habits will dictate your spending spending habits, and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you've created yourself a surplus. Might hurt for a few weeks, might hurt for a few months, but... If you want to get there and you want to achieve an outcome, that's what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anyone become wealthy or get a million dollars who hasn't been somewhat committed around their cash flow. Whether they're you know, looking at their spending every day or whether they're doing, as you said, and putting aside an amount and, and saving or investing yep. before they spend it. That's vitally important. Um, and I, I mentioned 30-year-olds here, but generally I, I use 30-year-old because they've probably been through their 20s where they've been flippant with their spending and mm-hmm. they've you know, you know, maybe been travelling a lot and yep. you know, going to the pub a lot and, and whatever, and they may be ready to um, you know, pay some attention to that. Cash that flow. Cash flow. I put here, buy a house. Contentious. Hmm. Contentious, <laughs> you think? Um, why would I say that, do you think? I think I think you've said that more on, more on the principle around you know um, it being a mechanism for forced savings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we know that you know you you know that paying your rent or or, or paying a mortgage is really just that forced savings. Again, it's mm-hmm. very similar to um, saving before you spend. Yeah. You've got a committed cost that you've got to pay mm-hmm. and then that sort of dictates and allows your other things to sort of um, flow off the back of that. Now if you're saving in a house, I guess the benefit is two, well, sorry, if you've got a mortgage and you've got a house, mm-hmm. I guess the benefit is a little bit twofold. You're paying down debt, mm-hmm. you're holding uh, an asset that is accumulating, potentially accumulating equity mm-hmm. through the growth, the, the underlying yeah. growth in the asset and yeah. also the debt reduction that yeah. you're doing as you're paying off the house. So there's a nice little forced savings bucket going on there. Yep. Um, so that's what I probably thought you meant when you said buy a house. Yep, I do. And, you know, if you have a house and you own a house by the time you retire, then you don't have to pay rent in retirement. That's exactly right. right? And so you, you, know, need, you need less cash flow yeah. than someone who's renting. And there's all the non-financial benefits around mm. security of tenure and mm. all that type mm. of stuff yep, that, yep. That, that, that go with that. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, buy a house, um, and initially it might be save towards buying a house. Mm-hmm. That might be the initial goal. So use your forced savings or invest, you mm-hmm. know, to save before you spend idea to um, save towards buying the house. Yep. Um, pay attention to your super. Yeah. is another point I've got here. So I may be wrong, and I have been wrong before, mm-hmm. but I would say that most thirty-year-olds don't pay much attention to their super. You do. I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I work as a financial planner that's right. in my day job when I'm not money many podcasting, so yeah. I'd, ho- I'd hope I did would. So most, it's a generalisation, but most 30-year-olds wouldn't yep. know how much they've got in super or how it's invested. So pay attention to that because if you can, if you can achieve a 1% better return on your super over mm-hmm. 30 years, mm-hmm. it will actually translate to be hundreds of thousands of dollars extra yep. in your pocket yep. at retirement. And what what should you pay attention to? Well, you should pay attention to what the investments are mm-hmm. that are held within your super fund, mm-hmm. whether 
yeah, and you probably need to read and, and, ga- and get advice on what would be appropriate for you. But generally speaking, a 30-year-old would be be appropriate for them to be in a very reasonably high growth investment option. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't advice, personal advice, but generally speaking, someone with 30 years up their sleeve in super, who can't touch that super um, over that period of time, um, you know, probably should be strongly considering being in the high growth shares option. Yeah, and I I say that all the time, you know, the amount of... of, um, Clients or potential clients at around that sort of 30 year, 30 year old mark um, coming in, you know, test and having a you know a more aggressive risk profile because mm. they know that they're young and they can pallet that volatility. But then you deep dive and open the hood on the on the super fund and the, for the last you know ten years or, or, or fifteen years that they've been working, they've mm. been sitting in the you know balanced default, yeah, yeah. which. You know, I, I just told you what a high growth investment has mm. achieved over the last sort of ten years of around that sort of ten percent. Mm. You, you could say that some of those balanced ones, if you wind it back a little bit, are probably sitting closer to that eight yeah, percent. So, yeah. so there's there's two percent. You know, there's there's two hundred basis points of return compounded over ten years that's been potentially missed out on. Yeah, and then could potentially be missed out on over the next. Yeah, that's what years. I'm going to say. So mm. you know, it's just one of those things that need a really, really close look um, and not just rely on the name of the investment mm. that's within the super fund, mm. um, actually understand what's yeah, it what's invested it. in. Yeah, yeah. so um, we could go down a whole we can. rabbit hole with that one, but we won't. Uh, what else can you look at within your super fund um, fees? So, you know, just ensure that the fees of the super fund and the underlying investments are competitive yep and when I say competitive you know these days if the total cost of your super fund including the investment costs is any more than one percent mm-hmm. then you need to take a good hard look at it yep and um, and wonder why yeah. um, because generalization again um, <laughs> for most people they don't need high cost. No. You know, low cost translates generally to better returns in yeah. the long term. Yeah, because because the investor gets to hold on to more return because you know yeah. translated into the lower cost. So that's a pretty important distinction. Yeah, and then the other point about superannuation is just be aware of what contributions um, can be made mm-hmm. and make contributions um, over the long term. Right, so it's not always right for a thirty year old to be pumping all their money into super, mm-hmm. um, but. Over the course, there'll be times where it is appropriate. You know, so making contributions to super can, A, increase your balance substantially by the end, um, and B, give you a tax break. So you know, understand, we had uh, a piece on our last podcast around contributions, mm. etc. so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But be mindful of contributions, and also make sure your employer is contributing. Yeah. Because uh, we do see... A reasonable amount of employers becoming less now with the tax reporting, ATO reporting. Yeah, being so so centralised. Yeah. Um, but we've we've seen plenty of instances where employers haven't paid super yep. for their employees when they're obligated yeah. to. Yeah, and don't rely on your pay slip translating into mm. a payment. Mm. Actually, get get yeah. some form of online access to your account um, to yeah. to view the transactions yeah. that are yeah. occurring. Just because it's on your pay slip doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, it means that money's been deducted from your pay, but it doesn't mean it's been paid into your super fund no, necessarily. Okay, so pay attention to your super. That's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, 
no other investment in Australia ensures that if you're employed, that you get 10% of your wages going into an investment. No, that's, no, that's exactly right. That's what super does. That, that is a great investment in its yeah. own right. Um, buy shares. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yep. Yep. Um, why? Opportunity to grow the wealth, mm-hmm. opportunity to create a passive income stream. Yeah. Um, yep. Gives you potential options. Yeah, basically using some of your spare cash flow or money that you've um, built up uh, to put into another good quality asset. Exactly right. That will grow for you over time. Diversifying your your mm. your um your income streams. Mm. That's what mm. you're doing. Mm. Yeah. That that that's my view. So you know you've got one one parcel here for this potential thirty year old is the house. There's some super. There's some shares potentially. So it's all it's all sort of tying in together. Yeah. Be smart about your shares, though. So don't just go out and buy, you know, that mining stock that could potentially <laughs> be worth a billion dollars because the lithium's about to take off. Because it won't yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> it's unlikely to. So good quality, you know, you know, high quality shares is what you should be looking at. Um, high quality shares, diversified. Now you may look at it and go, well, that's a bit boring. Um, now we've got a view. With your money and especially the core of your wealth accumulation, it should be boring. Yep. Um, you so boring money. You know that mm. that's that's a that's a sacrifice. I think a lot of people need to be willing to make. Mm-hmm. It's not not have it as exciting. You know, not have mm. it as, as excitable. Mm. Um, have it a bit more benign. Mm. Now, at, at those ten percent returns that you you know that we know the Australian market's done for the last hundred years. Yeah. Um, if you got fifty grand um, invested. At those sort of returns, it doubles in seven years. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the rule of 72. Yep. You know, so, you know, you make 50 grand through doing nothing exactly. other than investing. That's you know? exactly right. And so, you know, you've got to remember you're stumping up your capital mm. uh, into into arguably volatile markets mm. and, and you're being rewarded by putting your capital um, and, and, and often just not trying to take these really big risks and, you know, just standing there and doing nothing. So, yeah, good, great point, Steve. Um, and then, uh, you know, another point I put here is um, use the equity that you're building in your property mm-hmm. to invest in more property. Or shares. Or shares. I knew you'd say that. I'm glad you knew I'd say yeah. that. Um, but I guess the point here is by owning your home, and building that equity, mm-hmm. it gives you an opportunity then to then create more wealth. and build more wealth through another asset. Yep. Whether that asset is you know using that equity to invest in another property or yep. using that equity maybe to invest in shares, yeah. um, you are you are taking advantage of that opportunity to further invest. Yeah, and just generally speaking about a thirty-year-old doing all those things we, we just spoke about, I would say you'd be. A multimillionaire, if if those yeah. those and things were applied, and I'm not even talking about what they're earning in terms mm-hmm. of income. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if they were able to achieve those sort of separate set of things that we've highlighted in here and do a little mm-hmm. bit with each, I, I would argue multimillionaire by Absolutely. the time you're sixty, well, and and able to make some really good financial choices prior to sixty-seven, yeah, prior yeah. to the age pension, yeah. and hopefully never qualify for the age pension because yeah. they've too much in assets, which is a good thing. Now this isn't all designed to happen at once, you know, so. You don't, as a 30-year-old, you can't go out and buy a house and whack more money into super and buy shares and, and then use equity property, in the property. Because it doesn't all happen yeah, at once. Yeah, that's exactly it's, right. You've got to build it as a plan yep. and let it happen over time. Which just brings me to my and, last point. Sorry. No, no, that, that's you, you're you mm. just highlighting that point that mm. it doesn't all happen at once and it's, you know, it really is a journey mm. in, in as far as building wealth. Yep. 
but most wealthy people that we see, and wealth is different for everyone, mm-hmm. but most wealthy people that we see have done a little bit of all of that. Yep. Um, I guess. Yeah, and, and be comfortable mm. on the journey, mm. not the destination. Mm. You know, you know, revel in what you're doing, mm. not not just thinking. You know, got your starry eyes on around the end outcome. Actually, mm. enjoy the process of doing it. Yep. Which brings me to my very last point: um, be patient which is what you said. Um, be patient. Understand that time is your friend and it uh, will happen if you let it happen. There you go. All right. We're going to close. We will. That's it for the 26th of May 2022. We will see um, you in a fortnight's time. See you in a fortnight. Um, share with a friend, ask a question mm-hmm. and um, grow the movement. Yep. Awesome. All right. Okay. See, see you soon. soon.